in Barnet, where Asir is from, we used to do a luncheon club every couple of weeks. And after lunch, we used to have a little talk, Bible talk, um, a short message. And quite often, I used to ask people, well, um, any ideas what we could um, actually, how we could describe the Bible in one word? And we used to get lots of good answers like love and welcome and God's letter even. But we used to also come to that one word which was come. And that word come is the message of the whole Bible. You might say, well, come to who? Well, very simply, that's what the Bible is all about. It, it says, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, is it as simple as that? Yes, it is. The Old Testament that we're going to look at briefly tells us of his coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And the New Testament tells us that he has come, he has arrived, he has come. Now, there's a saying, and it's quite a tongue twister. Not quite sure whether. Yes. Now, this is quite a tongue twister. So, can you say it with me? Because it's, it's quite, quite some saying. Say it with me. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, but the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. There's so much in that, isn't there, if you just think it through. Now, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they complement each other. They really do. So the Old Testament very simply points us to the cross of Jesus coming. And then the New Testament, the times that we're in now, New Testament times, it points us back to the cross of Jesus. And so you can see wonderfully the Bible meets at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning we'll just look at just a few of the Old Testament prophets and prophecies. And they all point, you'll see, to the coming Messiah. And, you know, the more that we can understand the Old Testament prophecies and prophets and predictions, the more we will see the beauty and the wonder in both the Old as well as the New Testament. And they work together. And they all centre at the cross of Jesus. And so we can see that the whole of the Old Testament is Advent. Advent means coming or come. And you know, Advent was in the mind of God at creation. But it was much before creation. 
It was much before the world was created. It always was in the mind and the eternal thoughts of God in all eternity. His children, you and me, you were always in his thoughts even before the earth was even constructed by God. Isn't that a thought? And when Jesus himself came to earth, he often quoted the Old Testament and the stories and the prophets. And so the whole of, of the Old Testament, the whole of the thrust of it and the prophecy is towards the coming, the advent of the Messiah. The Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have picked just a few references that we'll briefly look at. And in each one, you'll see there's what I call a nugget of wonder. Maybe you'll see some more as well. Do rejoice and praise as you see these little things that we hope to pick out. And... The first one, it seems, immediately after God created men and women and the earth, immediately afterwards, maybe days afterwards, sadly, men and women sinned and disobeyed God. Despite having all they needed uh, with God as their friend. The Garden of Eden must have been a wonderful thing, you know. It was all that they ever needed, but God was there with them, with them as their friend. Now, sadly, they disobeyed. And both Adam and Eve, they were summoned to appear before God. They knew that they were guilty. But you know, as they stood before God, something unexpected happened. God intervened. He, he pronounced a curse on the serpent who tempted Adam and Eve. And he announced a wonderful plan for Adam and Eve and all mankind for their redemption. And this was the recorded, note it says recorded, start of God's premeditated plan of salvation, conceived in eternity past. And so Genesis 3, this is the first reference really in one sense, um, verse 15, it means, you, it says, you will strike his heel. And that refers to Satan's attempt to defeat Christ. And then where it says he will crush your head, that foreshadows Satan's defeat at Christ's resurrection. A blow to the heel, you see, is not deadly. But a blow to the head is deadly. So Advent, yes, it's at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. Now, does that thrill your heart? I hope it does. 
Our second prophecy then, it comes from a most unlikely source. Um, In the time of Moses, one of the greatest of all prophets... But just look at what this verse actually predicts. to Balaam. Sorry. Now this person Balaam, he was a soothsayer, he was a sorcerer. Um, And just listen to what is predicted in verse 17 of this reference. It says, a star will come out of Jacob. Now that refers to the coming Messiah. This may well have been the reference or the prophecy that convinced the Magi, the wise men, possibly, to travel to Israel to search for the baby Jesus. (coughs) Yet it was this man that put curses on Israel as well as blessings, but under God's control. That's the important thing. Now, how strange that, in fact, a sorcerer should foretell the coming of the Messiah. Doesn't it teach us that with God, anything or anybody can be used by God to accomplish his great plan? Oh, the power of God, this almighty God. You know, what a God of surprises he is, isn't he? Now, watch for God's messages for you and I as well in our life. Perhaps you and I certainly have, have, will have a lesson from an unbeliever. You say, what? Well, yes, God can use unbelievers to tell believers sometimes what they're doing wrong. I have been more than once had this comment said to me, but you're supposed to be a Christian. Why have you said or done that? And that has hurt, but has it been right? Yes, it has. It has been truthful, and I've been really just brought up because of that. I wonder whether any of you have had a word from somebody that doesn't fear God, doesn't know God, is an unbeliever, yet said something to you which was actually right and it stopped you in your tracks perhaps. God can use anybody or anything. Do remember that. Now, the third reference then, the book of Isaiah. Now, the book of Isaiah It's like the Bible condensed. It's got 66 chapters like the Bible has. It's got 39 chapters at the beginning which tells us about the judgment for sin like the Old Testament does. And then it's got 27 chapters of the message of comfort and hope 
which we've been looking at, like the New Testament. And so, in one sense, you could say the whole of the Bible could be condensed in the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah speaks more about the coming Messiah than any other of the Old Testament prophets. Yes, here comes Advent again. Here it comes in all its joy and hope and wonder. The prophecy from Isaiah. This man, Isaiah, he was a mighty prophet and yet he wasn't listened to. Israel would not heed anything what Isaiah said in his lifetime. And tradition actually says he was executed by during Manasseh's reign many years later. And yet despite all this, he loved the Lord so much. And these verses, you know, they're probably the most quoted verses in Isaiah, aren't they? Especially at Christmas time. And it's sung triumphantly in Handel's Messiah and in carol concerts and readings that we have. And just look at the wonder of that verse. These four names, or five, if you choose to divide wonderful from counsellor. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now do notice the order. Prince of Peace is at the end in the Old Testament. Do you see the Lord Jesus' humility? His perfect sacrifice, it was yet to come. But then, but then, in the New Testament, we see the grace, don't we, that we so often say, we'll say it later, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the order? It's reversed in the, in the New Testament. Jesus, yes, he's victorious. He's conquered everything. And yet we must stress, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, they are co-equal. In other words, they're absolutely equal with each other. It's a mystery and it's a wonder, isn't it? Now, in the authorised version, as, as I've said, that separates wonderful counsellor to wonderful and then goes on to counsellor. And so it gives wonderful as a standalone. But surely he is wonderful. We know he is. Yes? I don't hear you. Yes? Yes. yes. He is wonderful in all his works. Think of his birth that we're going to be celebrating. His wonderful birth. His life which was spotless. His death at the cross. The resurrection. The ascension. Isaiah gives such a vision. Hundreds of years, doesn't he? Later. Or before, rather. Before Jesus came. Yes, he's all these attributes, all of them. But you know, nothing, yet nothing, compares to the love of Jesus. Can somebody please get that um, carrier bag at the end and give it to Mandy, please?
She's forgotten it. Thank you. The love of Jesus. There's nothing that compares, is there, with the love of Jesus. This love, it's a wonderful love. No wonder we do sing that lovely hymn, Come, let us sing of a wonderful love, tender and true. Oh, that verse, you know, it makes my heart leap with joy when we sing that. Isaiah, it goes on. This chapter 53, this prophecy from Isaiah, the whole of that chapter, it goes into such detail about the Lord Jesus Christ's life and more so his death. And it's, this passage is called the suffering servant. It goes into great detail. It goes into his life, his death, his resurrection, his victory. The fact that he would and did come to take away the sins of all the world. Now what do you and I, what do you say about such love as this? How do you respond? Is it, I think it is, in amazement and awe that Jesus should be called the suffering servant and he should come in this way. Yes, there's a little map here. Now, Micah. This is what is called one of the minor prophets, perhaps unfairly. But this reading that we had in fact it predicts with absolute accuracy the exact birthplace of Jesus hundreds of years before he was born Micah given such a vision and a knowledge hundreds of years he was born in Bethlehem in and I can't say the word Epathra was the district apparently where Bethlehem was. Bethlehem, where King David, that great king, was born and made king. And then if you fast forward hundreds of years to Jesus' birth, when King Herod asked the Jews where the Messiah was to be born, you'll notice the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they knew they told King Herod, oh yes, it will be Bethlehem. But they didn't bother to go and find him, did they? They didn't want to. And yet the wise men, or the Magi, they didn't know where he was. They were Gentiles. But they followed that star. And they were guided, we know. That wonderful star. We call it the Bethlehem star, don't we? And there it is. What a star Jesus is, isn't he? Just before we do, however, when you've got a moment, try to read Matthew 2, 
Try to read about the wise men. We sometimes think, oh yes, these wise men um, weigh hundreds and hundreds of miles away. They followed the star all the way. Well, if you read Matthew 2, it wasn't like that. What it was, if you read carefully the chapter, they saw the star initially before they set up. It rose, it says. And they started forward following that star. But then if you read on, by implication you will see, in fact, that that star wasn't there for them to follow until they reached, nearly reached Bethlehem. And then they saw it, and it says with great joy they saw the star again. Now doesn't that echo the Christian life? There's a Bible verse that says we walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes it's really difficult to follow the Lord because we're not sure of the way forward and we have to trust him. So there's a lot in those verses that we can glean from it. But going, going back to this star, you see, this star, he's, Jesus is called the bright and morning star. Now here on earth there's a planet, it's called Venus, and that's a very bright star. It's the brightest star that's nearest the earth. And we see it in the east before sunrise. And I love to see this when I go for an early morning walk. I can always see Venus, that bright star. But you know, it's not always visible. When it's cloudy, I can't see it. But Jesus, he shines day and night. And he always will. Think about that. But then our last prophecy, another minor prophet, he's called Zechariah. And there's a wonderful reference in chapter 13, verse 1. And that verse says, On that day, there shall be a fountain opened for sin and uncleanness. Now you notice that. It says, on that day. What a day it was, wasn't it, when Jesus was born. That refers to Jesus' birth and his sacrifice. But it talks in that wonderful verse about this fountain. It's open for sin and for uncleanness. It's always open. It's still open today. It's open to the end of time. It's cleansing. It ever flows. A fountain, it flows all the time. And that's what the precious blood of Jesus does. It's there for, for us to find forgiveness. Oh, what a blessing it is that we have this fountain that has been opened for sin and for uncleanness. You can go there any time to have your sins washed away. Praise the Lord.
Now, we've looked at six prophets, I think, maybe, maybe less. But the message is the same, Advent, coming. Now, after the Old Testament finished, there was sadly a 400-year silence. No more prophets, no more prophecies. Silence. A long, long time. But then came Matthew, the New Testament, with bursting news. He has come. Now, if you look at, in your spare time, look at Matthew 1. It's called the genealogy. It's a big, long list of names. You might say, well, that's a bit boring. It isn't. It's very, very instructive. If you look at Matthew 1, it gives what's called a genealogy. And it goes right through all the names. And those names are recorded in three sections of 14. Now, seven is the second perfect number. There's a whole book you can read on the meaning of numbers in the Bible. But nevertheless, seven is considered the second perfect number. And so second, seven times two, which is 14, gives this measure of spiritual perfection. And so we can say that the world was made in seven days. Solomon's temple took seven years. Um, and so you can see the wonder how scripture is put together. It's not just a whole series of names in that genealogy. Now, you might say, well, if you look at that list, you get what's called uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You get some that weren't even Israelites. You get um, Bathsheba, you get Ruth, Moabitess, you get uh, Rahab. So they weren't even... Israelites were they? Some with very dubious characters. And I might say like you and certainly like me. Yes, very dubious. But here's the thing. Jesus came. He came not for the righteous, but he came to save sinners. But here's the thing. He came through sinners as well. Think of that. He didn't have to, but that's the way he chose to come through sinful flesh. Isn't that a wonder? I think it is. Now, to close then, Christmas time. You're going to hear lots about Christmas, aren't you? You're going to hear lots about the child in the manger, hopefully, this Christmas. And Christmas, yes, it is. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't push the manger away. We did a play in our other church years ago, and it was called Away With the Manger, because there's such a tendency, as you know, Christmas time, to push aside the manger and enjoy all the other things which are quite nice, we know to enjoy. But Christmas is all about Jesus. Do draw near to him this Christmas. 
He is to be adored. He is to be praised. He is to be worshipped. And he is to be loved. How? He is to be loved above all other loves. Love divine, all loves excelling. Yes, that's what we need to do. To not push the the manger aside, but worship this wonderful God, this baby that we know was and is the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always remember that Jesus came as a baby, but he was always God. There was never a time when Jesus was not God. As a baby, yes, he was a God. As a boy, yes, he was God. As the minister, yes, and now he is triumphant in heaven. But he was always God and always will be. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to say this again, this triumphant verse. Say it with me if you, if you know it. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's blessing on you all. Amen.